Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. Father, we thank you for the privilege to hear your word. It changes our hearts. It changes our lives. It gives us a better understanding. It helps us to be able to live life. It helps us to be able to walk with you. Father, impart yourself into us that we will not be the same again. In Jesus' name. And someone shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We want to look at the Bible. I told you that the word of God is inspired. And because it is inspired, it is inerrant. Because it's inspired, it's authoritative. Because it's inspired, it has credibility. And I spoke about some of the proofs of inspiration. It's, it's divine claims, what the Bible says. The Bible said it is God's word. And I spoke about how it's historical records, archaeological evidence. I spoke about the scientific accuracy of the Bible, right? It doesn't make any statement that is scientifically inaccurate. It makes statements which later on science discovers, right? And I spoke about the last week, I, I spoke about the prophecies, the prophecies of the Bible. And then I went on to talk about the unity of the Bible. It has complex diversity, but amazing unity in the complexity of its diversity. Says, I mean, different authors, different backgrounds, different geographical locations, about 3,000 cast members of the storyline. Different backgrounds, some were kings, shepherds, slaves, ex-tax collectors, ex-Pharisees, scribes. In spite of all the diversity, it speaks one language. Speaks with one voice. It says one origin of man, one destiny of man, one plan of salvation. That's one voice. And I went on to I spoke about the prophecies and I want to talk about the <laughs> the miracles of the Bible. I won't say much about that. Then I'll go on the ethics. The miracles of the Bible. Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. It says that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and is profitable for reproof, is profitable for correction and instructions, instruction in righteousness. Hallelujah. All scripture scripture is given. It's not like it was written and later on it was breathed. The way it was given, it was given by the theonopsis, given by inspiration of God. Hallelujah. So it's all scripture. Say all scripture. Those of you who were in church on Wednesday, I was teaching about the spirit and the blessing of Abraham and Galatians chapter 3. And I went on to talk about after in the verse 15, 14, 15, 16, where it talks about it was the promise was made to Abraham and to his seed. Remember Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now Abraham and to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. It does not say to seeds. That's very interesting. Now, he was quoting from Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. The Bible was particular, even about one letter. 
one letter. I said, no seeds. The S. He said, no, we can't take anything like that. He, he was so particular. He said, not seeds, but seed. Quoting Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Right. He said, not seeds, but seed. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 18, that heaven and earth shall pass away. Very sure I see unto you till heaven and earth pass away. Not one jot and one tittle. The jot, the, the, um, the, the, that's the, the smallest, the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet is called the Yud. The smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet is called the Yud. And the Yud is, um, its, it's size is like just the, the little apostrophe or what separates the lowercase L from the lowercase T. That cross. Bible says that even for one jot of God's word to pass, heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God, even that little, that, that little bit apostrophe of God's word is that valid. So, so, so that tells you the Bible is very serious. Uh, it's, it's very comprehensive. Now people may say that, but if God is God and he wants to speak to us, why doesn't he use other means? Why must he use a book? Why a book? Because I can speak through, I mean, more credible means. Like the way thunder will strike and then something will happen and suddenly you hear clearly the whole earth will shake and there will be an earthquake, everything collapsed, then suddenly everything comes back to place. Then God said, now you know I'm around, let me tell you what I... <laughs> But if you read the Bible very carefully, every other means, God used several means to talk to us. Use several means to talk. Dreams, visions. He spoke to people through dreams, visions, through personal encounters, like a Benny Bush encounter. Romans chapter 2, verse 15. He actually impresses his word in the conscience of man. Who showed the, the work of the law written in their hearts? Their conscience also bearing witness. All right, so the conscience and between themselves, they, they are thoughts accusing or else excusing them. God has put his word. There is an aspect of God's word in our conscience, in our hearts. And some of the things he does, some of you, some things happen, you know that this one is God. Sometimes you watch the news and there's serious disaster. Recently in Nepal, a baby was pulled out and someone was pulled out alive who should have died. And they come out and they said, no, this one is unusual. Some of them say that I should have died. Something helped me. Those who understand a bit of, they have a bit of sensibility to believe in the supernatural. They said, God saved me. What I'm trying to say, some of you things have happened in your life, in your father's life, your grandmother's life, your auntie's life, and you know they should have died and God spared them. Yes. Things happen in your life and you know God is telling you something. Oh, yes. So some of the good things is that in, a, in the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 45, he, he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and send rain on the just. These are the signs. God does good to all. Yeah. Acts chapter 14 verse 17. Acts chapter 14 verse 17. It talks about how nevertheless he did not leave himself without witness. In that he did good, he gave us rain from heaven and fruits, fruitful seasons and uh, filled our hearts with food and gladness. See, so God actually, some of the things that happen, besides revelations and things, like those things that happen around you, you know that, they, I mean, this is God. So what I'm trying to say is that God speaks to us through different means. So then why a book? Because, you know, revelations and personal experiences are subjective. 
personal experiences are subjective. And someone's experience for 50 years ago may be different from now, and he may not be around to tell the story. But what is written is written. (laughs) Hallelujah. What is written is written. So there are so many things. Now, God himself told Moses, these things that I'm telling you, write them down. Write them down. Exodus chapter 31, 31 verse 18. God told him, write these things down. Where, where I grew up, sometimes you can enter into a contract with a person, and usually most contracts turn into bitterness and pain and anger. Do you know why? God has no written record. He said, I paid you eight pounds. No, you didn't pay me eight pounds. It was six pounds you gave me. The paper will not lie. In the United Kingdom, your brother wants to, you, you, you want to loan your brother some money or something. He said, okay, let's, pay, let's, let's write it down. Maybe not, no, that's called the law. Maybe not even my brother, but my children and his children will fight. Because they will say, our, our dad said this. They said, no, your dad didn't say that. And then they may fight. So once everything is written, so God said to Exodus chapter 31, verse he said, when, when he had made an end of speaking with him on the Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. So he said, no, actually, it was written. God himself wrote it with the finger of God. And then in Exodus chapter 17, verse 14, that's when he said to Moses, these things I'm telling you, write it down so we can rehearse it to Generations to come. The Lord said to Moses, Write this for the memorial in the book. Recount it in the hearing of Joshua that, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of it. He said, Write these things down for memorial. The Bible was not written by one. Over 40 authors. With diff- they don't know each other, different experiences. Different experiences. So, and they all said the same thing that they don't contradict. A thousand years later, someone is also writing, didn't know this one, didn't know what this one has written, and they agree. You understand that? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, test the spirits. So because your experiences are subjective, they can be acutely whimsical. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Your experiences. Because one day you are in a very good mood. Even when you are praying and you are in a very good mood, sometimes you easily pick up things quickly. <laughs> Especially when you see a lady you are beginning to like or a man you are beginning to like. When you begin to pray, you see all kinds of visions about him. Sometimes you can be deluded by what is preoccupying your mind to think that God is speaking to you. That is why it says that let's come to the sure word of prophecy, which is the word of 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 20 downward said, the sure word of prophecy is the word of God. In 1 John chapter 4 verse 1, it said, test all spirits. How would you test what you're saying if you don't have a standard? That's why even in our nation, we have a constitution. Right, so what did I say I'm going to mention today? The miracles of the Bible. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 10 verse 31. John chapter 10 verse 31. Okay, verse 31. The Jews, then the Jews pick up stones to stone in verse 32. Jesus, as I said, many good works. I have shown you from my father. For which of these works do you stone me? All right. So he's saying that the works I show, they are a point. A point. They are pointers to who I am. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then 37. Look at verse 37 on the same chapter. If I do not do the do the works of my father, do not believe me. Verse 38. Watch this. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works. You may know and believe that. God the Father is in me. The miracles of the Bible 
The miracles the Bible records tell us as well, point us to the fact that the hand of God is behind these miracles. John chapter 20, verse 29, 30, 31. That, that, should, that should definitely be there. John chapter 20 says, Jesus, truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. Right? So why do we have these ones written? But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Son. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In believing, you may have life in his name. Right? So the things written are to help somebody. The things that are written to help somebody. So now, going back to the point I'm making, there, it says, look at the works that I do. Miracles are pointers of who is at work. Are pointers of the supernatural presence. All right, does that make sense? In the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 22, Bible talks about, 21 and 22, Bible talks about how Jesus Christ, a man attested of God with signs, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God with miracles, wonders, and signs which he did in your midst. So you can tell that Jesus Christ, the miracles he did were a pointer to who he was. In Acts chapter 4, verse 16, they wanted to stone the apostles or beat them and kill them or put them in prison. But it says that, what shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. The miracle was too evident and too obvious for you to deny that this one. What's a miracle? A miracle is not, is not an, a happening that is contrary to nature or the laws of nature. It's not contrary to the laws of nature. But the laws of nature without the agents that work the miracle cannot be able to explain it. Do you understand that? And the miracles don't happen by themselves. There must be always uh, an agent, supernatural God be behind it. All right, so it's very interesting. When they saw that, this, and miracles, watch this. Miracles, when miracles happen, it is... Obvious to the eyes. Okay, it's obvious to the five senses. So, uh, yeah, when you are born again, the greatest of all the miracles. True, but it's not actually obvious to the five senses. When we talk miracle by itself, the definition of the word itself points to the fact that something physical or something that is obvious to the five senses have taken place and you can't deny it. You may not want to accept it, but you can't deny it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's what the Bible, the Bible is fraught with miracles to point to the fact that, that God is behind the writing now. And then in Mark chapter 16 verse 20, in Mark chapter 16 verse 20, the Bible says that they went declaring God's word, all right, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So God worked with them and confirmed his word. He worked with them, confirmed his word. He, was work, he worked with them and confirmed his word. Praise the Lord. All right. So the miracles of the Bible. I want to go to the ethical superiority of the Bible. Ethical superiority of the Bible. Or moral, it's superior moral standards. When you study other religions, almost all other religions, some way, one way or the other, have desecration of morality. To a certain extent. It's because when you look at religion in itself, and most of all the religions, there's a desecration of uh, morality or human sanctity. One way or the other. We read the Bible and it tells you love your enemies. Love your wife. Love your children. Love your neighbor as yourself. The moral standard, the ethical standard of the Bible is superior. That must be God. Most of our laws in the United Kingdom are built on 
Judeo-Christian traditional principles. You take the Bible, and then it tells you, you read the Bible, and you, you learn, you, it, it teaches racial equality. Hello? Ah. Somebody says, okay, if the Bible is God's way, why is it that people have used it to do so much evil? People have committed so many crimes, so many crimes, uh, or done evil behind the Bible. Slave trade was endorsed by some preachers with the Bible. So how do you explain that? Have you also forgotten that slave trade was abolished because someone found in the Bible that this is not right? William Wilberforce. Look at Martin Luther King. It's based on scripture and he realized that all human beings are the same. How about that? So the fact that someone uses it wrongly doesn't make it, doesn't mean, like someone takes a knife to do evil, does that mean that knife is not right? You need a knife to cook. Am am I making a point? You read, you read, it it teaches, it's the Bible, the Bible teaches, let me tell you some of the things the Bible teaches. Racial equality, good citizenship. You find it in the Bible. Anyone who claims to be a Christian and, and practicing the scriptures Cannot, say cannot. Cannot go in town and um, attacking, physically attacking, and even verbally attacking prime minister. It's not Christian. Can you imagine you see me in a picket line and the police are staying there? I say, oh, no, I'm turning stone, turning the police. Hey, no. No, that's not Christian. That's not Christian. The Bible doesn't teach that. The, the, the moral standards of the Bible are high. So it teaches good watch, watch this. It teaches racial equality, good citizenship, um, sanctity of human life. That is why in the in the in the West, and particularly in Europe, in, in that's why in Europe capital punishment was abolished. Right? Sanctity of human life is very important. Social justice, legal equity, selfless service. It's the United Kingdom and the West that you Watch this. You you take guns, want to kill people, and they see you, and you get you get arrested, and they say no, they shouldn't kill you. Let's take you to the courts to prove you guilty. But we all saw it doesn't matter. And then when you are taken to watch it to the court, when you are taken to the court, if you don't have a lawyer, they will give you a lawyer (laughs) to defend your. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is that the ethical standards of the Bible are superior. We learn sanctity of human life. You read it. You read the Bible. It teaches you hard work. It teaches you selfless service. It teaches you individual integrity. Look at the number of people who have attempted in the name of um, Christianity, which is true, who have gone to Ebola reading nations to go and help. Don't you love your life? The closer you get to the Bible, the more selfless you want to be. People go to Syria, some of them have been beheaded because they, they were not going to preach. They were going to help the people who are hungry. They were going to help the people. And I'm wondering. Look at Red Cross. Now we have Red Crescent. It's just an imitation. You know what I'm talking about. Red, well, uh, it's Red, Red, do you know where Red Cross comes from? Even the ambulance service, it was started by Christian principles. You, are, you go on the internet, Facebook, news, and now it's a justifiable and laudable bombardment. We are being bombarded by appeal to help Nepal, by Tier Fund and World Vision. All these organizations are Christian organizations. 
founded based on scripture. You can't read the Bible and be unconcerned about human suffering. You can't be read the Bible and hate someone to death. You cannot. Have you realized that when you read the Bible, something happens to you? Oh, I wanted to talk about the transforming power of the Bible. How drunkards are changed into sober men. How prostitutes are changed to pure people. How a wife beater is changed into a wonderful husband. Because I have an encounter with the Bible. This is God. So when you talk about this moral superiority, the ethical superiority of the Bible, it is unbeatable. It stands up because it is God who gave this. It's morality. Now, I like the way the Bible puts in Galatians chapter, chapter 5, verse 23. Very interesting. Galatians 5, 23. It talks about the... It's a continuation from verse 22, okay? So there's a gentleness, 23, the fruit of the spirit, gentleness, self-control. Let's read the last bit together. Let's read it out. Let's go. For the last time. There's no law against these things. No nation, anyway. There can't be any law against the morality the Bible teaches. They can't. It's the Bible which tells you, that shall not matter. Said so that shall not bear false. Don't bear false witness against your uh, your neighbor. The Bible teaches you honor your mother and your father. The Bible teaches you that shall not commit adultery. That teaches you that shall not steal. The Bible teaches us love your neighbor as yourself. These are high standard morality, impeccable. The Bible teaches all these things. That's why let me tell you. Um, that's why ethically, or it's a moral reason, as I told you about atheism. That's why many people in the West try to frown or shun away frown from the Bible because its standards are so high. Because when you go to the book, the book is reading you. <laughs> Martin Luther says that this book has life, it speaks to me, it has feet, it runs after me, it has hands, it holds me. That's why people are running away from it. <laughs> because we have the high moral codes of God and we live by it. And because Bible says, because the heart of man is evil, when the light comes, they want to hide away, run away from the light. As I told you some time ago, a story of my friend who, when he got into this country, early days in this country, when he got, he was looking for a job, so he got one at a bingo. And then every time there's a board, people can go in, uh, on the board in the bingo somewhere. There. You can write anything, 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 as offensive as it may sound, write it. Because that's, that's the rule there. People will be writing swear words and all kinds of things. And he too, because he was... Working there. He, a Christian brother, he also went to write, all sinners will go to hell. Immediately they, they call in the bus. He said, Why do you write that? I can't. He said, I thought we can write. He said, No way. You don't write these things here. <laughs> you don't write these things here. Uh, but I thought you said we can write everything, anything. No. You can't, because that one. It's, 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 they tell you it's offensive. That one is chasing after people. You make people stop coming to the. <laughs> That thing is reading you. Did you get something? Please put your hands together for the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. 
Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.